Welcome to Season 3 of The Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so I will get us started. Okay. So welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 154. And nice. I have brought a uh, fellow podcast host, Josh Blaze. Did I get your name right? Did I get the pronunciation right? Uh, well, it is Blaze, but I like Blaze better. So oh. let's go with that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Josh Blaze. That's all good. There we go. There we go. There we go. En Francais, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have a tendency to like subconsciously butcher names, but the intent yep. is always to get them right. Yep. And so I write it wrong, I hope. <laughs> so to give the audience a bit of a backstory here, um, I was an, like I was honored to get the opportunity to be on your podcast, which is called The Long and Hard Podcast. And mm-hmm. I have to say, like a title like that really gets people's attention. Like <laughs> to be like, well, the podcast is called Long and Hard. And then half the people I tell giggled. Um, yep. what, well, I listened to a lot of your guys's beginning episodes and I was like, Oh, this is actually really wholesome. Like I, mm-hmm. I was taken aback. So I want to hear it from your perspective. Um, what is it that initially inspired you to be a podcast host? Um, well, t- my co-host Thomas and I, we've always had like these really interesting conversations over coffee. And it was kind of like, maybe we should be recording these and putting them out into the world. Like, it's kind of that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the audacious um, notion that, you know, people should be listening to what we have to say. So we were like, well, I, I mean, I, we really enjoy these conversations. So maybe somebody else will. Um, and then we kind of started as a business focused podcast and very quickly ran out of things to say. <laughs> and then we started getting more and more guests on that were kind of Edmonton centric. And that was where I think things shifted for us. And we really took that direction and made a lot of friends in the city where people are doing just a lot of cool stuff. So yeah, man, that's uh, that's kind of the backstory of how it all started. And uh, the name is... I mean, it's uh, it's pro- provocative. It gets the people going, right? So, well, it, it's a neat marketing tool because, like, it can also be pivoted in the sense that, like, you know, life is very long and very difficult, and uh, nobody gets out of it alive. And so, what are the tools you can do to kind of make the most of it? And mm-hmm. what I like about your show is, like. I, I'm actually a pretty sneaky, avid listener. I tend to tune in fairly frequently, and I'm like, what's going on today? Like, because 
I am totally aware that we bring completely different guests on our respective shows sometimes. And I'm like, this is how I hear about the other side, you know? Like, <laughs> it's it's cool to have other podcasts that can kind of complement. So it's like collaboration over anything else where mm-hmm. we're all we have our different visions and we kind of are aligned in the sense that we kind of want to better people in some way. We want people to be happier. And it's just the conversations take totally different turns. And then the more different conversations you're able to expose yourself to, the the broader your um, perspective is on things. Like, if mm-hmm. we just stay in our own echo chamber, we don't learn anything. And if we listen to Definitely. things that we are experienced with, we are less inclined to try something new that might better our life kind of thing. So I like that about your shows. So hopefully people that hear that, and especially if they're from Edmonton, check it out and maybe you'll probably see a few people. Like the cool thing about Edmonton is it feels like a place that has like 300 people, even mm-hmm. though it has much more. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a high school, man. It's hilarious. So, Well, like what's your backstory? Like how have you been Edmonton all your life or did you move to Edmonton at some point? Like uh, Born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's it's always interesting to kind of hear like a lot of people that I talk to mm. have been born and raised in Edmonton. And I I don't know, sometimes by default I assume that people make a journey and then find their way to Edmonton, but I have to realize like some people have been born here the whole time have have or like I worded that funny, but they've lived here the whole time. But has there been yeah. any point in time when you've spent like more than a year in any other place? Uh, I moved to Montreal last year. I was there for four and a half months. I got a little bit of perspective living on the east coast of Canada, and that was uh, interesting to say the least. Learn a little bit of French, get in there with the francophones a bit. Uh, The food there is phenomenal. So that was a complete perspective shift from Edmonton, uh, almost like a culture shock. But other than that, I mean, I've traveled a lot. Edmonton's still uh, still home for me, though. And if we were to break it down to, like, the, the things that makes Edmonton feel so, like, home for you, what would those mm. things be, like, if it was, like, two or three things? That's an interesting question. I'm going to have to think about that one for a second. But probably the – I think the people is really the, the, the big thing. Um, as – 99% of the world would probably say about their city too. But uh, just obviously the friends, the family, um, the relationships that I've had around the city and all of that. Um, I mean, I think that we're getting some really cool stuff that's going on in, in the downtown core too. Um, so being able to kind of grow up and experience Edmonton from its, we'll call it its roots, 10 years ago to where it is now, it's phenomenally different. Um, I went to McEwen downtown and I watched the arena get built. I watched a lot of those buildings get built and the entire city has changed so quickly that it's, it makes your head spin. Oh, I completely agree. Like, I mean, I spent about a year and a half where I did some general studies at McEwen and I worked at the city center mall and this was before all of the arena development really kicked off. And just mm-hmm. to see what downtown was like then and see what it's like now, it's 
crazy and just uh the surge of um small business that has kicked off the entrepreneur spirit um being able to have interviewed so many people that had a dream and then just kind of went with it like that's i love that about our city so it's it's kind of cool to have like uh pride in, in the place that we live in and uh continually feel that no matter what our weather's like it, it's not the nicest but uh we make the most <laughs> of it definitely it, it seems to be a city of of risk takers there are there is that entrepreneurial culture and uh us too we've ran into a bunch of different people you know comedians uh small business owners you know people just doing what they kind of wanted to do and it's I don't know what it is about Edmonton. Maybe it's that uh, the water or something, but we we seem to have it. So, well, I mean, the refinery, all the fumes from there might have something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be it too. But uh, you never know. You never know. It's yeah. just my view out the window is literally like I can see like the smokestacks from like the Strathcona for refinery from my window. So I'm like, what nice. a nice view. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it's not that, but I mean, it, it probably is. So. <laughs> it's no, I got trees and birds and a couple coyotes. It's pretty good. It's nice. I like it. <laughs> That's also good, too. I have a, a back alley, so <laughs> exquisite, exquisite, exquisite. Yeah. So way back when I started following you, you had a lot of different things on the go. I mean, we're obviously going to get back into your story a little mm. later in the show, but like Right now, I want to know about like all the different side hustles you've done. Like when you were in Montreal, what did you do? And right with also with uh, everything that you do as far as like tech stuff and web stuff and editing. And I think I saw you do some uh, some three D animation or something recently. Or I, I I'm just a constant learner, man. I think that that's probably the best. Uh word to describe me is that um if something kind of interests me i i go down the rabbit hole on it it's um i don't know it's, it's a blessing and a curse in that i'm kind of all over the place but also i've i try a lot of things and i learn what i enjoy doing and i learn very quickly what i don't enjoy doing too so um but yeah like i've done a lot of different stuff um in the past, I mean, I've, I've sold stuff on Amazon. I've, uh, I've, um, obviously started, took it, taking up programming and done a lot of web development. Um, I'm a real estate broker in the city, so I own a real estate brokerage. Um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of different stuff <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll narrow it down a little bit because I find great value in someone who has like tried a lot of different things because um experience has value like mm -hmm. even even if we kind of stumble or even if we try something don't like it try something don't like it try something don't like it and we don't really talk about it like all of those things are going to play into our next step even if we mm -hmm. dial it into just one industry or we totally pivot do something totally different like i can imagine how having that uh, tech background has helped you with real estate because mm -hmm then you have all these different skills that can play into how you can service your clients, how you can list homes, um, little maybe tech edges, like we talked about website and how it can increase like the ability for people to see what you have to offer in a greater speed kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. With all the stuff, like uh, 
let's talk about the things that you sold on Amazon. Like what, what inspired that? How'd that process go? Any big learning moments that you had? Um, I, I honestly don't know what even started that, but it was, um, my, my buddy that I have the podcast with Thomas and another buddy of mine, we were like, well, let's just try some stuff online. So we tried drop shipping off of Amazon where we would actually go and see, um, generally they were like tech products. So like iPads and all of that stuff. Uh, from a wholesaler or distributor and then actually sell them through Amazon and eBay. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing that, but it was kind of a thing that you were doing in university. Um, so much so that it actually took up time from a lot of my classes. I was sitting in class, like uploading products and doing all these different things. And it was kind of this, uh, it was a foray into business. Like it probably is the very first thing I ever did for myself. Um, entrepreneur wise and uh i wouldn't recommend anybody drop ship because you don't have control over the the quality of the product you don't have um you know when it gets to the customer you don't have any of that sort of control um so you really need to know who your distributors are and all of that um so we very quickly saw that that wasn't going to work too well for us and shifted to other different things and about that <laughs> um but yeah it's it, it was kind of our very first foray into into business in the online world and i'm glad that i did it because it kind of opened my perspective to you think you know a lot of things when you get into a space and then you very you quickly learn that you don't know anything at all and that was really a good way for me to experience that um that curve of i'm so smart and then it's like i'm so dumb <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you've ever had that but i i get it all the time when i'm trying new things and uh that was probably my very first experience with it well i think that's a valuable thing to talk about um many people that listen to podcasts think that they're going to learn all the experiences from everybody else and it's going to enable them to never have to make a mistake or never have to fail <laughs> or never have to feel dumb because they're well, I learned because I listened to 350 episodes of Joe Rogan. So I know mm -hmm. how to do it right. I'm an expert. But like yeah. sometimes you have to take like very like reasonable risks. Like mm -hmm. not in the sense that you want to live in fight or flight, but just like you're not gonna know unless you try. And mm -hmm. like, this could be just, they introduce a new bag of chips at the grocery store and you're not going to know how it tastes unless you try it out kind of thing. Like it can be very like easy, achievable things. Um, mm -hmm. but then also you did some apparel stuff too, right? Are you still doing yep. that? Uh, I'm actually thinking about getting back into it. I was, um, and it kind of ties into my story that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, but I, wanted to kind of start a brand in that we um were donating to uh stars or ambulance um for every sale that we were doing and just realizing how i am needing focus on certain things i kind of take took a step back from it but it's slowly in the in the works again to get it to a point of um i wanted the products to be more 
tailored and custom made and all of that stuff. I was just printing stuff and I didn't like that compared to the, there was apparel brands in the city that are doing it much better than I was. And I've talked to a couple of those guys and seen like the actual goings ons in the background to know where I need to be, uh, working well where i need to be and where i need to be people i need to be working with to kind of get the quality uh up to where it needs to be when i'm selling products because i think that at the end of the day a product you want the quality first and foremost because that it's a snowball effect once you have the quality there um everything else can fall into place whereas it's an uphill battle if you don't have the the quality of product there so for example, I actually got hats made out of, uh, China and was working with some producers out there. Amazing quality, phenomenal, but it took me five or six different trials with different companies and getting samples in and all of that to find that quality. Um, so the stuff that we actually produced was of high quality, but it took so much time to get to that point. Um, so it's kind of like this research and development process and all of that. The, the issue for me was going so far, you know, across the world to get products sourced that there's a lot of opportunity here at home that I've been starting to pursue because I think that one people like that to say, well, it's Canadian produced or, uh, whatever. And then two, that quality is, it's a lot, there's a lot less mass producing that goes into it. It's a lot more tailored and you can really tweak what you want um, instead of having, well, language barriers get in the way and all of that um, that goes into producing over in the, in, in China or uh, India or wherever you, you're looking at getting these products sourced. So yeah, I, I'm, the short answer is that yes, I'm getting back into the product uh, stuff. I really like personally how I look at it is that why would I wear Nike when I don't like, I don't identify with it. So if I could produce something that I personally identify with and I like, and it's tailored and all of these various facets, that's the direction I would want to go with my apparel. And I, I think that people are kind of going that direction as well, where people are buying more from their friends or people that they know or people that they've heard their story online or something like that. And I think that there's uh, there's opportunity there, uh, Definitely. to say the least. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, like, I mean, you, you put it well. It's just the whole, like, you don't know unless you know. And so having experienced what it's like to go through the logistics of um, checking and rechecking at a place that is geographically far, far away. Um, mm -hmm. it, it has its pros and then it has its cons and then it just kind of comes down to everything that we're going through. It's mm -hmm. almost inspiring to see the pivot towards um, Canadian supporting Canadian, like even in the fitness industry, like there are yep. like full on Canadian manufacturers uh, producing squat racks. Like it used to be a lot of Canadian companies would sell them, but they'd be produced outside of Canada. But now, like, they're creating, like, barbells and plates and stuff in Edmonton. 
which is mm-hmm. badass. Like, I think that is so cool because that's what our, our nation needs is a little bit, uh, a bit more of us supporting us so that uh, we are a bit stronger in times of crisis where our economy well put. Can be more resilient. Yeah, well put. I mean, I think this, uh, this whole pandemic thing has shown us that we do need to, to be producing at home. Um, whether that be pharmaceuticals or whatever we, I mean, that's, it's what we need to be doing for sure. Definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. so back in like, let's go to age 16 version of you. What were you doing at that age? What was life like? 16? I mean, I I think I was playing hockey and chasing girls. (laughs) I think that was about all I was doing. Um, I mean, I've, uh, in school, like I've always been a good student, but I never really applied myself to it because I just kind of didn't see the uh, end goal with it, I suppose. Um, so I've always been like an okay student, but I never, I was the guy that would write, you know, papers at the at the last minute and submit them and be like, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, I mean, it's not uncommon. Like, I think we can all admit that there's, more people like that who are just trying to figure out what their passion is. They really don't know what direction they want to know, want to go. If, if somebody knows their passion at that age, they usually apply mm-hmm. themselves. If they're still trying to figure it out and it takes an extra three years, they'll probably apply themselves and show their work ethic and passion in three years. And so it's, mm-hmm. like, it's all relative to that individual. Um, you talk about hockey and I bring that up because I did a quick Google search. I was like, let's see if we can find some stuff on this guy. <laughs> and it just oh, no. <laughs> it popped up some hockey and then I left it at that. Yeah. Cause like nobody can naively do a Google search and just expect to like know the person. You might just have some yeah. anecdotes and stuff, but I wanted to talk about hockey cause generally speaking, it teaches people a lot about, uh, life. Like they get a lot out of that. So damn like, right. Yeah. How far along did you get in that, in that, uh, journey? So I played, um, well, I mean, when I was younger, I played pretty low level hockey, but there was, um, my second year Bantam, which is my, would have been, I would have been 14, I suppose. I was like, I love this sport and I'm going to put everything into it and get as good as I possibly can. I was a goaltender too. I wasn't a, I wasn't a forward or a defenseman or anything. I was, uh, I was one of those dummies that stood in front of Pox. So, um, yeah, man, it was, um, I was never like that good, but I had this overarching passion to be as good as I possibly could. And, um, it was that year that I kind of turned completely everything around and played like the second highest level of hockey I possibly could. Um, and then my 15 year old year, I played, um, midget triple a minor which is like the again for a 15 year old that's uh pretty much the second highest team you could play um and then i I played some like tier one and stuff and went on to play uh junior b out in uh, strathcona and also with uh north edmonton um so that's kind of where my career ended but um i think i realized pretty at about age 17 or 18 is like uh, i'm not going to make the nhl so maybe I should start taking this school thing a little bit more seriously. Um, but the lessons that I learned through hockey, the teamwork, the, the work ethic, 
thing. I think that that's probably the biggest lesson I learned um, that if you apply yourself to something and you, uh, you know, and you, if it's really what you're giving your all into, you can get to a level that is, you know, top 1% if you, if you really give your all into something. So um, that's kind of the biggest lesson I took away from hockey because I came up and wasn't that good. And then I got a little bit better. <laughs> we'll put it that well, way. I think that's, it's important to reflect on that kind of stuff. Like within the fitness world, we have to put a focus on like, okay, if you have a strength goal and like a speed goal, you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to lean into both at the same time. You can improve on both, but you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to master both. You're going to have to master one or the mm-hmm. other. Yep. And it's cool to hear that you had like, you were able to achieve results with putting all of yourself into hockey mm-hmm. because that's kind of the buy-in that an indi- that an individual mm-hmm. needs um, when it comes to being like self-employed or showcasing work ethic like Mm -hmm. reflecting on all the other things that you've done like i i for one would believe that if you were like okay i want to be the apparel brand i'm gonna put everything else aside just Mm -hmm. apparel and then you could probably make that rise to the top and like just it's so much of life is like soul searching kind of like figuring Mm -hmm. out what is our passion and then it's like there's no like time constraint as to like when we have to figure that out, but it's more it's so true. Yeah. like the awareness piece of just knowing if we want to be like in the top 5%, we have mm-hmm. to like eat, sleep and breathe that thing. And if yeah. we want to do other things, then we shouldn't get all bent out of shape that we're not in the 5%. We can be okay at the 10%. And it's just like, definitely that awareness is helpful. Like it, yeah. it puts our mind at ease. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like the the reason that I try so many things and find what I do enjoy is that I'm looking for that that combination, and that's kind of what I found with real estate and technology and all of that is that I am good when it comes to people. I'm good where it comes to programming and coding, and I can I can lead a team when it comes to uh, producing a product. How do I bring those things together and create something that? really nobody else is doing. And that's kind of the, at least the, um, the understanding of myself that I've come to is that I'm looking for that. Uh, I can get to that top 10% in pretty much anything I want to do, but it's tying three or four or five of those things together to create. I'm world-class at something that is, you know, nobody else is doing. And that's kind of where, I, uh, at least my self-realization has come in the past year, year and a half that, Hey, if I get really good at this and I'm also really good at this and I bring them together, what's that, uh, what's that Frankenstein look like? That is this product that can help. What my kind of my thought is that if you can become really good at three or four or five different things, you can get to that top 10 or 5% and you integrate them all, you essentially become world-class at whatever that uh, mutant thing is that you're producing. So if you're really good at, uh, you're really good with people, you're really good with technology, you're really good with, um, you know, marketing or something like that, 
really, I think that those three skills are almost universal in that you could apply those to, you know, pretty much anything you, you could really dream of. Um, if you wanted to create some sort of, uh, technologically advanced coffee house, you could do that. So really it's, I personally believe that, um, life is really about getting good at things that you're passionate about and then bringing them together under one roof and creating that ultimate thing that you can be amazing at that really nobody else is doing or capable of just because you have this skill set that is so um, vast, but also targeted, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, I think it's, it's cool to be able to like, diversify yourself like niche yourself out figure out uh, ways to uh, stand out because like sometimes it's just about making like a product or a service that uh, people just inherently want to come back for like a, a second serving of like whether it be like you're retaining your client over the course of like 40 years or something um, mm -hmm. they it could be that they have you help them get their first condo and then it's their first home and then it's their nicer home with like the lake in the backyard kind of thing. It's crazy yep. how valuable retention is and it kind of holds us accountable as, as any kind of a business towards um, bettering ourselves and finding the ways in which we can improve, improve uh, upon the things that we might uh, not be as good as we think we are at. Very true. Yeah. And then also being able to say, I'm not very good at this and to be able to, you know, get somebody that is very good at it and bring them in and see what you can create together. That's really, I think where I'm at now in my journey is that I realize that I'm okay at these different things. And by trying a lot of different things, I realize what I'm really good at or what I could be really good at and what I'm going to be just okay at. And then realizing, okay, if I'm just okay at this, let's get somebody in that is amazing at it. And let's see what we can do together. Well, that's so true. I mean, with businesses that are growing, sometimes they want to have all the controls. And so mm -hmm. you'll see somebody that uh, it's in their wheelhouse to like, let's say just make cookies. They like making cookies sure. and then they try to make the videos that advertise their cookies. And they're like, Oh, I just need somebody to teach me how to make videos. And it's like, well, for the amount of time that it's going to take you to get really good at making videos, just hire somebody to make the videos for the cookies. And right. it's like people forget how much time it takes to like fail like that. Mm -hmm. That's a big time commitment. So like when, Oftentimes, I'm sure we both get asked from people like, how do you start a podcast? Because like, I know in the last like week, I've jumped on calls and helped people in how to make podcasts because if sometimes if they don't ask us, and even if we're just giving them our time, um, they're gonna have to like make a lot of trial and error. And they're not gonna necessarily be aware of all the things that go wrong, all like the the drop connections or like, sometimes <laughs> the audio just like, yeah, I, I've had times where I had like a guest that I had been looking forward to for months and I interviewed him and I listened to the audio afterwards and my voice sounded like a chipmunk <laughs> and it was like something went on with my mic. And so I yeah. had to go and adjust the frequency of my voice every time I talked for the entire hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I actually just wrote a blog post on how to start a podcast because I think that if people are really inclined towards something, I mean, I'll give them the information, but I mean, 
I also sit down with a lot of people and, you know, that's a question I get a lot too. How do you start a podcast? Well, I mean, I can give you everything. I can give you the gear layout. I can tell you all the programs that we use, how to edit it, all of that. But at the end of the day, you got to sit down and actually do it as opposed to, you know, just talking about it. So people need to learn a lot by doing and there's this amazing, amazing resource called the, called Google. I just found it. And if you look up pretty much anything, you're probably going to find an answer to it. So that's a phenomenal, like, honestly, man, we live in this amazing time that you can look up pretty much any question you've ever had and you're going to get at least a half decent answer. And I think the people that are inclined to do that, those are the people that that do good <laughs> in well, life. I completely agree. And I once had an article about how to start a podcast and I since just put it into a word document and saved it on my computer. Cause I was yeah. like, when somebody asks the question, I want to be able to ask them, okay, do you have 20 to 30 hours a week to have a podcast? Mm-hmm. Like, do you actually yeah. have that time? Because if you don't, how bad do you want a podcast? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a time commitment. It is a, a job, whether it pays you or not. Like it's, you have to treat it like it's something that's going to take you away from your friends and family because it's like you mm-hmm. have to carve out that time. And when a person is like, yeah, I really want to do this, then I'm like, okay, let's let's help you out. Here's, here's an article or like here's – it's cool because I – when I read your blog, which we'll talk about, um, mm-hmm. I also found your article about how to start a podcast. I was, I was like, oh, like, how do these guys do it? And I thought it was cool because yep. like a lot of the things were the same. And then a lot of the things we had like different perspectives on because I've, mm-hmm. I've always been like, YOLO, just do it. Don't worry too much about the microphone. And then yep. you guys are very particular about your tech because like you care about the quality that you're putting out. And I'm like, oh man, like... I really suck at like caring about that stuff. I need to like <laughs> care more. And so it's just cool. Yeah. I think in that article too, is I, I give like different tiers. Like you can literally start a podcast on your phone if you wanted to. I have recorded episodes with, um, there's a guy that I know that's just getting into podcasting. He wanted to sit me down over a coffee and we recorded an episode on his phone. You can do that. No problem. And I, I would recommend people exactly like yourself get going with it. Just try something and see if you actually enjoy it before investing, you know, a thousand dollars into microphones and a audio interface and a webcam and all these different things. But it has to be the, the inclination to actually just get started and, and do it too. Because I think a lot of people, when they don't have the, you know, the microphone or they don't have uh, the studio or whatever it is, they're like, well, how can I do it? Well, by recording that first episode on, you know, your, your phone or buying a really cheap lav mic and, you know, talking into it for a couple hours. Cause you're, first of all, you're not going to sound amazing. Your first podcast, nobody does. <laughs> if I go back and listen to myself, I sound, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty bad. I have a bunch of idioms that I continually say over and over and over. And, um, the only way to get better is to, is to do it and to get get into it and really get rolling with it. Well, it's so true. I mean, I catch myself. I've recorded a few episodes in the last couple of days and I'll go through like waves of like saying the same phrases in response to what the other person <laughs> says. And it's like seasons yeah. of the year. 
And like my first year, I had a tendency to say awesome and mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. And then like second year, I think I would be like, well, I wonder, like, it's just seasons of change. Embrace it. <laughs> soak it up. Enjoy. <laughs> you, you catch yourself doing it too when you're talking and you're like, oh, I keep saying that word. I need to stop saying that word because it's going to be on this podcast 16 different times. So I know exactly what you mean. But I think when we accept that we are who we are, it makes it easier to move forward because like nobody's going to be perfect and flawless. And nope. if, if you worry about being perfect and flawless, you never try anything. So people should just, if, if, if they've made it this far and it came across their mind that they wanted to have a podcast, go mm-hmm. do your Instagram live thing, take that, take the audio out, put it on a thing, you're good to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much, man. And I mean, nobody is great at something when they first start. If you do your, your, your prodigy, your prodigy, excuse me, but. 99.9% of people suck at something when they first start it. It's so, so true. It's the nature, it's the nature of life, right? Yeah. Um, so on the topic of articles on your blog, see the yeah. other day I was just chilling and you posted something and yeah. I think I knew about this and then I had forgot about it and then I read about it and then I remembered about it. Nice. I knew you had a story and then <laughs> when you brought it up, I was like, oh, and I'll give some backstory as to why it was important to me to reach out to you. It was basically like, I was like, okay, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We got mm-hmm. people that are upset about things like what hours the bars close or how long it takes for their car to warm up. And he's put something out about how he feels grateful that he can walk. And mm-hmm. like, I've, I've had conversations with people who have lost their ability to walk. I've had conversations with all kinds of different people so I can appreciate how it would have felt to be able to rehab from that. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to go hop into the handy-dandy time machine into mm-hmm. a period of time about six months before the incident. Like, what were you doing at the point in your life? What were your priorities? Where did you figure you were headed? Okay, interesting. That's a good question because I don't think I've ever got that. Um, <laughs> um I was working out like all hell. I was um, actually preparing for a powerlifting competition when all of this went down. So I was um, very, very into the fitness world and getting um, pretty much as strong as I possibly could. Uh, so that's where I was probably six months all the way up to a day before uh, I hurt myself. And uh, frankly, I think that it is the thing that helped me get back to uh, a functioning human being uh, because if I didn't have that, I, I don't know where I'd be today. Well, I mean, the amount of dedication it takes towards a craft like powerlifting, like it, you, it takes quite a bit of grit and resilience to mm-hmm. progress in, in that sport. Um, it can be extremely challenging. And that just goes with all like progressive overload lifting in general. Like anybody that just wants to get like noticeably strong, they have to be pretty committed to their journey. And that journey can be light and it can be dark. Like there's going to be, even if the 
even if everything is going well, there's still going to be plateaus or challenges or things in life that you kind of have to fight through both mentally and physically. Um, what were you thinking about the morning before the accident? Like, was it just like any other day? Were you uh, with friends? And like, how did that day kind of unfold for you? Yeah, I think for, for me, it was pretty much ever, any other day. Um, <laughs> the weirdest thing I thought like a day before all of this happened is uh i think i was in the gym and the there was a thought that crossed my mind it was like you might not ever get to do this again and uh i don't it was just a weird thing like i i never had that before and there was just the thought that crossed my mind and um yeah <laughs> so i uh again though but like the day that everything happened pretty much a day like any other uh, was out with buddies, uh, snowboarding out in uh, Nikiska. And uh, yeah, so that's where uh, things took a turn for sure. So how did it unfold? Like, did you kind of crash or like? Uh, so we were up at the, uh, have you ever skied Nikiska? I've walked around it, never skied. Okay, okay. Uh, at the very top, um, so the issue was, is I don't think that they had enough snow for it to be open at the top. Uh, it was like opening day. Uh, and, uh, we had been right at the top of the mountain and we were coming down a run like within boundary and all that. And, uh, I hit a, just a drop off that my buddies had gone, they, approached it and they went right and then i went left and i went left and there was a, just a drop off on the other side and i mean i was a decent snowboarder i wasn't like i, w I wasn't sean white or anything but um i just i hit it and on the other side drop off of about 15 20 feet i i don't know how high up i came down from but um as soon as i came down i landed uh on my tailbone and instantly just couldn't feel anything below my waist like just uh radio silence below uh below about like belly button level and obviously you know something is uh, is a miss when that happens and uh yeah i was like to my buddies I was like i i can't feel my legs and they thought i was joking at first because i was in a kind of a state of um hysteria or whatever and then they realized something was wrong and skied down one of them stayed with me the other guy skied down to the bottom to get to ski patrol and uh you know got thrown in the back of a sled and skied down to the bottom thrown into a pickup truck to get down to the bottom because they actually couldn't ski out to the base and uh yeah got stars or ambulance called in to airlift me off the mountain uh so i obviously knew something was <laughs> wasn't right and uh when i got to calgary foothills they told me that i had broken my uh t12 vertebra uh in my back two above and two below it but t12 was what did it and uh shattered my tailbone but i mean who gives a shit about that and uh <laughs> and uh yeah i was a uh, i was an incomplete paraplegic is what they told me uh when i got to the hospital so um yeah your your life can change pretty uh 
pretty much in an instant. And for me, that's uh, kind of the uh, before accident and after accident is it for me where my life is kind of, there's like a line <laughs> yeah, yeah. and there's after it and there's before it. And yeah. That's your TSN turning point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's my, uh, <laughs> it's my B- BC and AC or whatever they call it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I have had some crazy experiences where I've stayed in the hospital. My stay was like two days, but I can imagine that yours may have been lengthy. Like how long were you sitting in that hospital with questions and thoughts and looming emotions? I mean, uh, I think that the the questions were there like the whole time. Um, obviously, you don't for this sort of injury, you don't get really a prognosis. Like nobody really knows like what your your two years out is going to look like. Um, for most people, they kind of um, get them to realize that your life uh, may look like you're in a wheelchair for the rest of it. And uh, we're going to teach you how to, uh, you know, get in and out of it and how to, uh, how to take care of yourself. And uh, we'll see you later. But um, for me, I wasn't really willing to accept that. Um, And they, doctors don't really tell you like what it's going to look like. Um, so for me, it was just a constant question of, you know, am I going to get better or what's it going to look like? And, um, I very quickly made a decision that I was going to put my all into my recovery and whatever that end result looked like I was, not going to uh, regret not putting my all into it, I suppose. Well, I mean, in hearing that, it's like, thank goodness you had the experience in hockey to know what it felt like to put your all into something, hey? Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, uh, just backtracking for a second too, just being able to, uh, well, working out as much as I was, I was, when you were talking about, you know, how much you have to put into it, I was training, you know, 11 or 12 times a week. I was in the gym for, you know, upwards of uh, 15 hours a week before this injury. So I, I had this, you know, like, Oh, you're going to make me do physio three hours a day. Uh, Okay. (laughs) You know, like I've been doing that for the last six months of my life. So it's to me, it's, it's a, it's nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of leads me to a follow-up question. Um, I feel like you'll have a pretty solid answer to this. Sometimes I ask questions and people are like, oh, that's tough. But mm. here's the thing. I meet a lot of people that go into fitness. Um, and it's usually for something other than the whole like stereotypical like live a longer life or gain muscle mass or whatever. Like There is like an emotional calling towards the gym that, that makes you do things like work out 11 times a week. So mm-hmm. what was it for you? Like what, what was your like wake up call that you're like, I'm just going to go hard into powerlifting. Like what's, <laughs> what happened? I don't know, man, to be honest with you. I just, uh, I fell in love with it. I, I had this void in my life when hockey ended. 
so I had this, you know, it was this, what am I going to do next? And that's where, when you play high level hockey, man, you're like, you're on the ice six, seven times a week. Right. So, and it's a, it's probably a 20 hour commit commitment a week. So I was like, well, I got a lot of time to fill. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so how am I going to do it? And, uh, lifting is what did it for me. So, yeah, like that makes sense. There's a lot of, uh, most athletes will go in and then it's, it's usually for males. It's like former athletes and dudes that got mm-hmm. dumped. Like those are two <laughs> de- definable categories. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that's just the way it goes. And then it, it, it could be a number of stories. Cause like, I mean, there's going to be people listening to this and they had a totally different experience with their, with their fitness journey and I support them all. But there is moments to like dig deeper into the why, because that why can kind of take you through the tough days, like mm-hmm. sitting in a bed, wondering if you're going to need help going to the bathroom or if that's going to be something that you'll be able to do by yourself without any trouble. Um, mm-hmm. what, what gave you kind of hope, like the light at the end of the tunnel to kind of get through the uncertain days? Um, I, I think I just knew that if, again, like if I put myself, all of myself into something, I, the end result was only going to be positive. So, um, that's kind of where I was coming from and, I, I never really had a doubt in my mind that I was going to walk again and I would be part of that pretty rare group of people that actually can recover from something like that. Um, I just, for me, it was like, uh, how much time is it going to take? And that, that was it. Yeah. Um, there was never, for me, it's just, there was never a doubt. Well, I mean, you put it in a very easy to understand, like almost business way in the sense I'll explain mm-hmm. a bit further. It's just that like when when you're self-employed or right, when you're an entrepreneur, you get pretty used to what it's like to build up from nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the more proficiency you have in building up from nothing, you find that you can put that into any direction and build anything up for nothing. Not anything, but like anything within like the five categories of things that you're good at. So yep. that would be similar to our discussion about like apparel versus Amazon versus um, web design, all these different categories, which are kind of in your wheelhouse. And if you focus mm-hmm. on one of them, you can really progress. And it's just like that whole outlook, like we're, we're in the middle of COVID where a lot of our favorite local businesses are probably having a hell of a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like sometimes for, for anybody that I talk to, it's like, okay, we're just going to take this one day at a time, like control what's in our control. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just looking at it from like, well, it, it truly isn't going to get worse unless we like will it to get worse. So how can we like make it a little bit better, just like marginally better and then let that compound with time, um, with your experience with that, what was the effort that you did to improve by 1% each day, roughly when you're in the hospital and when you're walking out? Cause I know that's, that's sort of like a concept that you're pretty savvy to. I think, I think I saw an article about that, like 1% better mm-hmm. or something along those lines, but what was your yeah. experience with that in the, in the recovery process? Yeah. Like I, I'm of the mindset that 
all you can really affect is what you're doing today. Tomorrow is gone. You can't, you can't do anything about it. And, or sorry, yesterday is gone. You can't do anything about it. And tomorrow is, it's an uncertain, like it's an uncertainty. Um, so for me, when I was in the hospital, that looked like, you know, I was doing physio three hours a day. And then on top of that, like I was doing my own stuff that would constitute as physio, but it was just me, you know, flexing my quadricep because I could, that's, that's pretty much. And I was doing that, you know, 10 hours a day, um, where, and constantly being like, I need to get the hell out of here because I hate it here. But, um, really that was, that was my day. It was like, I'm going to put everything I possibly can into my recovery and I can only affect what I can do in the now. So let's do that. <laughs> well, that is, you nailed it. I mean, we can only affect what we can do in the now, whether, whether we're recovering from an injury or we're having a bad day or mm -hmm. we're trying to go after our dreams. Like I think, um, anybody that makes the choice to not work for someone else, like as their, their main source of income is kind of, they're chasing after things that they have to take day by day. And it is just kind of the controlling what's within your midst in that day. Um, mm -hmm. what changed in your life? Like before you're kind of enjoying going snowboarding and stuff like was there any massive shifts that you made and like things that you prioritized or how you looked at life anything like that i think personally it kind of was a a wake-up call that i realized this life ends there's a there's a point where you know you're not going to be here anymore and um you should be doing things that you really enjoy doing and try to avoid the things that you don't enjoy doing. And that includes, uh, relationships that includes, you know, things that, well, I mean, we'll talk about entrepreneurship in it in and of itself. It's like, do I want to be working for somebody else and building what they, what their vision is, or do I want to be building my own vision? And, uh, I think for me, that was the paradigm shift in my life where it was like, I, you know, like prior to that accident, I would have probably been like, well, you know, like I'll go get a management job somewhere, or do that. Or, you know, like I was kind of listless. Whereas afterwards I was more of the mindset that it's, I'm going to do what I want to do. And whatever that is, I have to enjoy it and realize that if I'm going to be working 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 hours a week, uh, I should be really, really enjoying what that is because it's a vast proportion of my life that I am not going to have back when I look back on it at 90 years old or however long I live. Um, I want to be able to say I use that time and I enjoyed it as opposed to, I hate my life 
every single time that I have to get out of bed and go to this shitty job, you know, yeah. that's, it's kind of where it came for me. Well, that's, that's a wake up call that I wish upon anybody. I'm, I'm typically notorious for being that guy that's like, quit your nine to five, go do something mm. that you like and maybe sit in the shit for a little bit while you grow it, but then enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it, you pay a price to, to do what you love because it's up to you to make it succeed. Like if you don't put in the work, if you don't go to work as it were, if you don't put in like the 12 hour days for the eight hour outcome, um, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. But at the same time to feel that sense of purpose is priceless to feel like we're on the this earth to do something like really deeply meaningful that like touches our hearts that mm-hmm. that is worth more than any amount of wealth that we can accumulate i mean during covid i i have certainly had a lot of conversations with a lot of people that are like money isn't money isn't everything like obviously you want to have a roof over your head you want to be able to travel and mm-hmm. support your family and friends but beyond that like you only nobody needs to own like 50 properties or have like 12 floors or have gold bars in their basement. Like there's, there's a line where it becomes like, what is your purpose? Um, how do you give back to society? Things like that. But Mm -hmm. one question that has always been on my mind, because like, I think in the earlier episodes of your show, um, you guys were recording from separate locations. Like, did you start it off when you were in Montreal or had you started off before or after? Yep. Started it when I was in Montreal, started it just like this, actually Google Hangouts. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually appreciated that. Cause like when I first discovered your show and I was kind of checking it out and seeing how you guys interviewed and seeing if there was any ways that I could improve on myself, um, mm-hmm you were like Google Hangouts. I was like, yeah, it's like the only other show that I've ever heard of that uses Google Hangouts. And I just, I felt like one of the guys, I was like, just like them. They're just like me. (laughs) They actually killed it. I think like June of last year, they killed it just as I had got back into Edmonton and then they brought it back. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's an awesome resource. And I mean, frankly, if anybody wanted to start a podcast, (laughs) there it is, man. Absolutely. They they have the full tutorial within this episode. But similar to the question I posed upon you with the gym, what was your why for going to Montreal? Interesting. Uh I don't know if I had a why. <laughs> it what was the heck, more man? so like Yeah, it was more so like I I've lived in Edmonton my entire life. I want to try a new place and uh I've heard a lot of good things about this city, so let's, you know, pack up my stuff and let's give it a go. I just bought a one-way ticket. I went there with a buddy of mine and we uh, pretty much saw all the city as the offer. So, okay. And it's a phenomenal city. I highly recommend people travel there. Um, well, it definitely is. I mean, uh, I've heard such good things about Montreal as far as like cities that you can go to that are on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Like um, I know my oldest brother has gone there for business travel and stuff and it like you can go to some cities and it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of crossover between this city and that one. But Montreal is mm-hmm. just one of those where there's no crossover. There's no other city that's no. like it. Yeah. But then what brought you back? Like, did you, were you like, I miss Edmonton or was it a financial thing or, or what happened? Well, it was kind of like, cause I was doing the real estate thing while I was out there and I was kind of building the underlying tech stuff 
while I was out there. But I realized that I kind of had to be local again to really get it off the ground. I mean, eventually maybe I'll be able to move somewhere else and have it running itself. But I think that at the end of the day, I had to be where things were going down to really get it going. Um, and when I was out there, it was, you know, there's a time difference. There's the ability to actually be present at a home to help people sell it or buy it or whatever. That was obviously a realization I came to. And, uh, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go back to Edmonton and continue there for a little bit, at least to get this thing off the ground and, and go from there. So well, it's kind of cool how it correlates to the whole drop shipping experience. Like mm-hmm. you get to try it, you know what it's like. And then next mm-hmm. time when you're like, let's try this again, you're going to know what it takes to make it work. Like if, mm-hmm. if a person was to try drop shipping, they would know that they would need to have a very strong handle on who the manufacturer was and have some accountability measures in place that you know like if the order is not on time like what are they going to do to to fix that because the client needs to be happy Um, right and then with travel it's just like a lot of people are hesitant like if i'll put it this way there's a lot of people that are kind of they've reached a plateau in their life Sure. for context i would not consider like i'm pretty happy with with edmonton and I'm like you, I like Edmonton for the people, and I'm not somebody that wants to leave to go to warmer climates. Mm-hmm. But turning the table a little bit, um, I mean, I love warmer climates, but like, it's okay. We're, we're good here. We got hockey. But someone else that perhaps is just like, they just haven't felt the light at the end of the tunnel for a long time, and maybe mm-hmm. a move and a change of scenery would be helpful. Um, having that previous experience of what it is like to pick up and leave gives people a bit more confidence to do what it takes to make that move. Like sometimes it's simply a matter of like, say if someone felt felt stagnant in in their town, they want to move to another town. It's just like, okay, well, what are the jobs in that new town? Go start doing some job hunts, search for jobs, see if there's like a missing service. Maybe that place doesn't have like, a sandwich shop or maybe they don't have a gym and you can fill that void in that town and then all of a sudden you're coming up with solutions instead of like sitting and letting life pass you by and the only person in your way is you like would you agree that sometimes we're basically in our own way i i I think so absolutely and it's just a perspective shift too that you you know like you can get very insulated if you've lived in one place your entire life you know, like that, you're like, well, the entire world like this. So, but once you kind of get outside of that bubble and see how other things are, you, you kind of increase your, your perspective and realize that, Hey, like there's, there's a big world out there that I want to experience and try other things too. Um, and that's how I always recommend people travel. Obviously nobody's doing it that much right these days, but, um, is instead of, you know, going to a place for a week or two, you know, like buy a one way ticket, actually immerse yourself into the place and see if you actually enjoy the culture of it, the people, the, 
you know, make some friends, uh, eat some different food, learn a language, do those things that are, you know, they're kind of outside of the box as opposed to I'm going to go sit on a beach for a week and get really hammered, which I mean, that's cool too. But, uh, for me, it, it, I'm kind of over that. And I realized that I wanted to, uh, well, I mean, it go, all goes back to my perpetual learnerness. is that I want to see how other things are and I want to see how I integrate with another world pretty much. Well, yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, in my own experiences, I'm lucky that uh, in in my earlier 20s, I had some friends that like encouraged me to travel and my excuse is always I don't have money and like I did have money then I just didn't think I had money it was just a matter of like what was I spending that money on it was like I would spend money on like extra clothes or this or that and so I I had a travel budget I was just mismanaging it but they Mm -hmm. finally got me to to book a trip and it started off I think one of the earlier trips we went to Las Vegas and that was kind of cool and then I Mm -hmm. got to experience like just seeing what Las Vegas is like to take it apart from like what it's like in the movies. And I remember in high school, I got to go to New York and I appreciate that I went to New York because over COVID I've networked with a ton of new New York trainers. that I didn't know before we were all stuck in our house doing video calls. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was like, it snowballed. Like then of all, it was all of a sudden I, I went to Hawaii three times. I went to Costa Rica and it was, we all kind of were pretty economical with our travel and so there was times when it was just like sleeping on the beach like literally mm-hmm. we we just stopped even bothering with a tent and we were sleeping on beaches nice. and then costa rica it was going around and staying in hostels and it's kind of like you say like if you stay in a hostel in a new country you're not only going to experience more of the culture of that country but also the culture of probably seven other countries Mm-hmm. it's amazing like we were in a hostel in like a tourism town of costa rica and there was germans there was people from switzerland there was australians there's all kinds of different uh people from all over the world and then instead of just being in like a resort or something where they're bringing you your beer and your tacos like mm-hmm. you actually get to like go for walks go to the beach see like the thing that was beautiful about Costa Rica is all the dogs that walk around. So like, (laughs) it's just, if, if you want to pet a dog, it will probably walk up to you for pets. Like there is (laughs) no issues there. It's just to be immersed in a situation like that makes you look at your life a lot differently. And I find Mm -hmm. that it gives people the courage to take leaps. Like that's basically how it went down. I went on this big surge of travel and I got more and more brave as things went on. And then mm-hmm. it was after like the third trip to uh, Hawaii that I came back and I was like, okay, like let's set some deadlines. When am I going to leave my nine to five? When am I going to take the leap and go into the fitness industry? And like travel gave me that courage to sort of believe in myself. Mm-hmm. And even today I reflect on like, okay, well, I didn't know it was going to happen when I went to this new country. Like I actually, the funny thing with Costa Rica is I booked the plane ticket to the wrong part of Costa Rica and then I had to bus across. <laughs> so just the language barrier was crazy, but I almost took over the podcast. So I'm going to flip it back to you. Um, 
let's talk about three countries, maybe five, kind of depends how many countries you want to talk about, that stand mm-hmm. out to you, that changed your whole outlook on things. Interesting. Um, I mean, I've been to a, a few places, but uh, Greece was interesting. Um, just to see, like, how... it's a, it, We'll call it a Western country, but it's kind of almost a third world country. It's really weird, but it's also very beautiful. It's this weird mesh of places. Um, that's definitely one. I mean, I've been to a couple other places like uh, Dominican Republic and Cuba. Cuba's huge. Cuba's like, uh, obviously, this was this was a few years ago. This is closer to probably ten years ago, but that was when it was still shut off to the U S and all of these, uh, you know, they had the embargoes and all of that. It was pretty fascinating to see, um, how a communist country operates and, uh, how the people there are and very interesting. Uh, yeah, man. And I mean, I've been a couple other places. I, I really want to go to like, get the real culture shock and go to like Southeast Asia or something. Cause I think that that would be, um, the real, <laughs> the real culture shock. And that would be someplace that would be, uh, significantly interesting for me. So, well, especially the way that I travel. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, expand on that. How do you travel? <laughs> well, in that, like I, I personally am of, of, of the mind that you should really immerse yourself into a place as opposed to like, do a little bit of research on it and maybe go for a week or whatever, but really hammer down on the places that are interesting to you and don't set a deadline for when you have to come back. Buy a one-way ticket and you know, like you can always buy a ticket back if you hate it. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Um, but give it a shot, like actually give it, um, like give it your all. (laughs) I know this is an underlying theme of this podcast, but kind of give it your all and, and really get into, you know, make some friends, learn the culture, learn the language, do that. And that's how you actually shift your perspective as opposed to, like you said, going to a place for a week and staying on a resort. Yeah. It doesn't do it for me. Well, we're on the same page there. Like, um, if I wasn't so introverted, I would have networked more. Like I would have made friends that lived at these places or, or made friends that were also traveling to these places because like, Um, the more broad your network is, the more like empathy that you can have and the more understanding that you can have into how to, uh, diversify your own services. Like from a business standpoint, you become more valuable because like Mm -hmm. you appeal to a greater audience. And then from like a, a life giving standpoint, like if, if you have a legacy, it's going to resonate with more people, like whatever Mm -hmm. we're on the earth to do, or whether we, have kids or, or whatever the future has in store, like it's going to echo further because of the connections that you make and um, just like the value that you get from opening up your world to other people. If we're all closed off, that's all we get. If we're open up and it's, it's an abundance, it's a sense of like being open to the lessons of other people, the experiences of other people and the support. Like if, if we listen, people want to support us kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's about touching lives really at the end of the day. So, and how do you do that is, well, I mean, we have an amazing resource called the internet, but I mean, actually being in these different places and, you know, actually really 
connecting with people because we seem to have that challenge of that we're so connected, but we're not actually connecting with people. Uh, that's, I mean, that's how you do it is by making friends and actually, you know, asking, the, asking the tough questions. Absolutely. Um, so something that I've gotten all of my guests to do as of late is to create a challenge for the episode. And so, challenge. Okay. yeah, like I want you to dig deep into the vault and think of a challenge that you don't think anybody else would have posed upon the audience. And having said that, mm-hmm. don't overthink it because chances are the thing that you think is said too often probably isn't said enough, but something that you think would be like a, a turning point for somebody that's listening to this episode. Hmm. Okay. Can you give me an example of like a previous challenge that somebody's come up with? Yeah. Um, so a lot of people have, uh, challenged the audience to kind of sit with their thoughts. Some people have challenged the audience to have tough conversations. There's the common challenges to be yourself, but sometimes if you hear it from the right person, it really sticks. And some people are like, uh, teach people something like teach teach a new course or teach a new lesson to somebody if there's something that you know more than anybody else so those are some some common examples okay i got mine go make somebody smile that's awesome like i mean you can't do that enough and to even like add some context to that when we think about the difference that it makes in this world where we have masks on in the grocery store we don't see as many smiles And so when we're able to at least, if we can smile through our smile or if we can tell a funny dad joke that makes somebody start to laugh, it's deeply impactful in these troubling times. Yeah, man. I've kind of come around to, if I can make somebody's day better just by, you know, whatever it is, I've, I've accomplished my mission for the day. So that's, I, I think that our world would be, a much more enjoyable place if there is more people that were just, you know, trying to put smiles on people's faces. I agree. If there was mm-hmm. one piece of advice that you could give to somebody on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Hmm. I, I think you got to realize uh, that it all ends and that at least for me, that's, that's the big realization that I've had and that, um, I've, I've done some things in the past where people are like, like, how do you do that? Or like, um, for example, making cold calls to somebody is like, how, how do you do that? It's like, well, I, I'm dying, man. And they'll be like, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, w- why are you afraid of what other people think about you? If you're not going to be here one day, like, why do you care about failing if it all ends? So you might as well go out there and try something, try different things, give it your all. Cause it all, when all said and done, you're not here anymore. So it's beautiful. Yeah. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) It made me think twice. I'm like, Holy crap. Like we're all spending a lot of time thinking too much into the Instagram memes yeah, we're man. gonna be dead whether we like it or not. So, yeah, what are we? Memento doing? mori, memento mori. It's beautiful. So, thank you so much for joining me on the lifestyle chase today. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me. I I really like the episode that we did with you over on uh, our podcast. So, I mean, man, this is uh, this is a lot of fun. 
It's awesome. 